All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. We'd love you to support this show. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Your likes and subscription helps us to grow and attract interviews and content. So please retweet and share our posts. Your contributions are appreciated. All right. Welcome to episode 469 of the Kiss of AQ podcast. I'm losing my mind again. Um, I'm Julian, the host, I think. Something like that. we got Lonnie, St. Louis Kiss today. What's up? Marcus Almighty back. Mark. You're back in, with your internet connection. Woohoo! <laughs> and bringing his Canadian quality internet connection to the equation. Hey, mine's been pretty stable, so. Maybe from, maybe from your end, Mark. <laughs> All right. And 69th Blizzard Ken. Hello. I've had one of those days that I did a shift at work, and then I've just finished a shift of validating Aerosmith set list from 1999, and my brain mm-hmm. is just, like, hurting right now, because yeah. it's not really my favorite era of that band once we get well past, well, once I don't want to miss a thing happens, mm-hmm. I, want, I want to miss the rest of it, but there we go. The rest of the things. Got to do it to finish the book, so there we go. It's going to be even more fun doing Just Push Play. Um, so what news in the KISS world? Well, thanks to the guys on three sides, Mark specifically, for his kind words about product. And obviously he received his copies of Alan's new book. I've got mine. I still have to open it and flip through it. I haven't had time, as I just mentioned. I've been busy. Um, but it looks great. But it was also nice for him to say, you know, some nice words. He's had a sneak peek at Mask Hysteria, which is just moving way slowly. Germany, mm. France, Perth, Australia. Anyone there need help? Need local newspaper articles? Um, I can scan them. I can OCR them and translate them. But um, I'm really, um, you know, in a desert for those three areas specifically. Uh, what other news? Gene Simmons hosted his uh, event in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, none of us went, so there are some first-hand accounts. I think Mike Brun had a guest on uh, this week for that, someone who went, someone attended, and someone who can give you the news. I can't really say anything just from seeing some pictures. So, uh, you know, I did see some fun stuff of Tommy there, Eric there, Bruce there, mm-hmm. Lisa there. Um, so... It is what it is. What else? Um, there's a petition. <laughs> I think they're Australian fans. Bring Kiss back to Australia. Oh, yeah. yeah. For one last, final, final last. Absolutely <laughs> last. Really, it's last, this unless there are really sharks. Yeah. God. This time all four of us are going to jump the shark. Um, yeah. Interesting. There is a gap, though, in the schedule in August and September. And that is, I believe, mm-hmm. springtime in Australia or parts of Australia. So who knows? I guess anything's possible at this point when they already said final 50 and it grew to 54 in a week. So <laughs> they can play for the kangaroos there. Oh, yes. The overpopulation of kangaroos. Kangaroos will kick their asses. Those are mean motherfuckers. <laughs> they're, like, they're like rabbits on steroids. Yeah, Angry I wouldn't want to count those. 
Yeah, so there's a new Kiss magazine out. I haven't seen it. It's uh, 360 Media. Well, apparently, it's got photos, whatever. Um, I, I think it's it. available at Barnes & Noble. But I, I haven't seen any of these magazines on actual store shelves in my area. So, I mean, it is hmm. San Francisco, so it's quite possible that they were stolen from the shelves already by the homeless. But, wow, it's a shot of San Francisco. Wow. Yeah, they really want to listen. I live there. I Read walk into stores and get knocked over by people coming out with arms full of goods. So um, I, I will throw shit at San Francisco all I want since apparently it's the thing to do on our streets. Um, but at least it doesn't involve, you know, uh, needles. Um, oh, shoot. Yep. Oh, yeah, and hardcover. I, pl I uh, got the manuscript oh, into yeah. the hardcover provider for volume two. I'm doing a super small print run because the first volume print run didn't work out so well. So I'm chopping that into like a third of the numbers just because I don't want to get stuck with stock um, because of shipping prices internationally suck ass. So there we go. All right. Anyone got any news, Mark? No, no news right here. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going right now. Uh, just waiting on some stuff back from Train Records for my CDs, which should be done pretty soon. Actually, I got, I got a bunch of stuff back, like the art proofs and stuff like that. So, it's all ahead of schedule. Can you believe it? Ahead of schedule, and uh, so ahead of schedule, I'll probably be able to do my vinyl pre-order very soon. Actually, so keep your eyes open for mm -hmm. that. So I'll be able to start the pre-order of that. And uh, the other thing that's good about it is I was told that as long as I keep it uh, to black or any solid colors or translucent colors, then I might not have nearly as much of a weight anymore for the vinyl. I mean, it's still going to be a weight, but not as much. But if you, but if you do uh, uh, any kind of splatter or something like that, apparently it's even longer than the normal weight. So we're mm. not going down that route. I'm trying to okay. hold this up. I got an email from Kiss today. New merch, yeah. a Kiss fanny pack. I was going to say fanny <laughs> pack. Just, the stuff English. that they sell is just... That is designed by it. Paul. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the most manly man bag I've ever seen. Cornhole. Yeah. They're trying to push the cornholes. Cornholes and ping pong paddles. I mean, <laughs> this is sure one hell of a way to celebrate your 50th anniversary, fellas. Congratulations. Yeah. Good job. Ping pong rackets. Put yeah. your ping pong balls in the cornhole. I, I had to go in the trash can to get that shit. Okay, so let's stop talking about shit and uh, why don't I stop causing shit. And let's talk about something cool. It's the 30th anniversary next week of Kiss Alive 3. Um, yes. Let's just do a quick round robin on where you were at. Ha ha! I just dropped my. That, that's the sound of an album makes when it's the... dropped. Ooh, Ooh that dropped? It's no longer white mint. Vinyl. That's the white vinyl. A... <clears throat> I got the black. Numbered white vinyl from back then. Um, Very cool. I'll just slide it there. Nice. Yeah. I had, nice uh, white. can't remember which one I had. Alright, so the question for each one of you is go back to 1993, tell me where you were at as a KISS fan and uh, your reception of both the announcement of Alive 3 and then we'll talk about the album itself uh, after Aslani Well you know, for, it's, it's going to be no surprise Like, I was super excited about the announcement of Alive 3 coming out because 
if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that I missed Kiss on the Revenge Tour um, for dumb 13-year-old adolescent reasons. And, really? Yeah. And um, But the fact that they were releasing a souvenir of that tour from the album that propelled my Kiss fandom to new heights, I was super stoked. And immediately thought that, well, maybe an Alive 3 album means an Alive 3 tour. You know, they, oh, they'll, they'll come back. They're, they have to tour for Alive. <laughs> they have to tour for Alive 3. They toured for Alive 2. They toured for Alive 1. They'll, they'll, they're going to come back. They're going to come back this in summer of, of 93. Obviously, they did not. But... Um, I was at a really high point in my my Kiss fandom, and you know, um, wore the the shit out of this jewel case. It's really beat the hell. Um, by the time by the, and you could tell by the number of times that I've slid this <laughs> packet in and out of the jewel case to open it up and and just stare and learn of the the, the history of the band and and all the different incarnations and the errors. You know, yeah, and, and well, and just well, at the t- I didn't care, and I didn't know at the time, Mark. I I just I just I was like, oh, and it goes from here and to here, and this is the fam, this is the Kiss family tree, and this is this is how this came about, and this is where this guy's geology genealogy came from. I can't talk today, and it, I loved it, and I and I love the album, and I will get into the album and how it sounds and this and that as we go, but at the time, man, I loved it and ate it up and. This thing is beat to hell because I've listened to it so much, especially back in the early '90s. Had some friction, huh? From mm. it has. Yeah, Mark. What about you? Go back to 1993. Yeah, so I was only just referring to how I was made for loving you was amazingly undressed to kill for some reason, according to them on that credits. But uh, other than that, easy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, great <laughs> research on their part. Uh, but I, I gotta say. In 93, I was really like Lonnie. I was very excited about this record. Um, Revenge had come out, and if you listen to this podcast, like Lonnie has said as well, uh, you know that my friend Ted and I were big Revenge people, and uh, we were in a band together, and we were listening to Revenge constantly all the time. And uh, and when when Alive 3 came out, we were super excited. Uh, and Alive 3, and I'll say it right now, was the thing that cemented my love of Bruce Kulick because his performance on this is absolutely fantastic. And, and I'll say it right now, he, he, he's done, he done those solos like for the classics, like Deuce and stuff like that. I love Bruce Kulick's versions of those solos far better than aces. I'll say it on record every time. Now, uh, his version of Deuce much, much better. Uh, I think it's played better. I think it sounds better. I mean, it's fantastic. All the classics, I think Bruce has put his, as he respects it enough that the key points are there, but he puts enough of his stamp on it that I think it sounds really cool. And people like me who are like, you know, pretty young at the time were very much hip to it. And, you know, a new, I can see it quite clearly that a new generation of Kiss fans were, were born from this era, I think. My friend Jerry, who was our drummer at the time, hated Kiss. He couldn't stand Peter Chris's drumming. And when Eric Singer joined the band, 
and he heard Alive 3, suddenly he was a huge fan of Kiss and he loved Eric Singer's drumming style and songs that he despised like Deuce and all these other songs before he loved now because of the way he drummed it, which which, which is far different if you listen to the way that Peter plays and Eric Singer plays it. So uh, I think it was a pretty pivotal record in a lot of ways for some people and or for some you know, sections of the up and coming, you know, youth or generations of music- musicians that were coming up as well. Yeah, he must be really impressed now that Eric Singer has mastered harmonica, drums, lead vocals, <laughs> and piano. Yes. So there, there yes, we go. Yes, exactly. All right, going back to ni- May 1993, I was heavily into opiates at the time. So when a butterfly oh, flew into my room and delivered a cassette of a live three, I was amazed. I had a long conversation with the butterfly. No, um, I broke my <laughs> leg at the time, and so uh, I, I was hopped up on painkillers because I fucked my knee up really badly uh, for uh, a long time. And back then, they could actually prescribe you things that were addictive. And fortunately, I avoided that, but managed the pain. So a live three, my mum visited me, and I was in Buckingham at the time, and brought me the cassette because she saw it in W.H. Smith back in the days where mm. in British pharmacies you could actually buy cassette tapes. And wow. I was really happy because I was a little bit out of the loop kiss-wise at the time. Uh, I'd started back at university doing a politics and history degree, so it wasn't really on the forefront of my mind. I only had the, a certain amount of cassettes that I'd brought with me and a few that I'd bought, and the one I was listening to the most at the time was Aerosmith's uh, Get a Grip. So I was shocked. Because I hadn't heard a lot of bootlegs of Bruce and from the Revenge Tour either. I was, wow, they finally done an Alive 3. And I, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And the super long J card that never ended in that cassette uh, yeah. was was really neat. Especially when you're on. <clears throat> Ooh. Yeah. Ken, take us back to 1993. In 1993, uh, I was still... You know, I never left, you know, being a huge Kiss fan. So um, when I heard that it was coming out, the Live 3, um, I think I, I must have heard it. I don't know where I heard it at first, but I think it might have been Headbanger's Ball. And mm-hmm. that's when I know they announced the, uh, they they call these little Kiss parties, but they weren't parties. They are were like meet and greets, and you had to... Uh, go to the record store uh that week and that's when the live was coming out on a tuesday live three and i went there during my lunch hour from work i think the tower records um and then uh i asked for this little you know this pass or sticker whatever for the live three um meet and greet and uh first guy didn't know and then he asked another guy and he knew and they i bought Kiss Alive 3 right then, and uh, they handed me the, the, the pass or the sticker, uh, which says Live 3. It's basically the cover, kind of the cover of the album on the sticker, and you just put it on, you know, when you go to the location. And this one was in San Francisco, so that's the reason I, I went down there right away and tried to uh, get that. Uh, so I was able to go to that thing, um, which was okay. It wasn't a party. It's just like walking in, in a, standing in a long line, and and then they're all at a table and uh, shaking their hands and going through, and they'll sign, you know, signing something. And this this is what I got signed because this was the inner part of, you know, the fold out of 
the CD and mm-hmm. uh, the the tree uh, family tree thing. Uh, I got signed by uh, all four members there. I think Gene was the one in silver. You could barely see it, but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty cool from that standpoint. Uh, I think they were playing a video too at that time. I can't remember what it was. Um, I don't know if it was something in prequel to Kiss My Ass or something like that, but uh, I remember them playing something and obviously playing Kiss music. But uh, yeah, I was excited for that. And another anytime another Kiss album comes out, you know, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Lonnie, these questions, uh, the first bunch, are lifted straight off an FAQ topic about this. And it's like, as an ardent KISS fan, what were you most eagerly hoping for in an Alive 3? That is either before it came out or when you had held it in your hands. What were you looking forward to the most about it? What I was looking forward to the most is... I can't even say definitive live versions of songs that came after Alive 2. I can't even say that, honestly, because it's 1993. I'm 14 years old. I don't don't have an extensive bootleg collection at 14. You know what I mean? So, for me, it was live... Not... It was live versions of songs post-Alive 2. And, And just live... For me, what I was looking forward to the most was... You know, I... I had my brothers come home and tell me about this KISS show and about how the Statue of Liberty face crumbles and, you know, and, and the torch. And, and, and I'm just living this show in my mind from when they saw the show in November until then. So what I was looking forward to the most was like hearing, just hearing that experience that my brothers um, were able to. And it, it, I just, I, and I just listened to it over and over and over. I remember when they came home that night and go, oh, Lonnie, they did this, they did that, and they did War Machine. And, you know, War Machine's not on there, but, but we can get into that. Um, and, you know, and my brother told me the best song they played all night was I Want You. And I'm like, really? He goes, my best song of the night was I Want You, which isn't on there either. But <laughs> and he goes, and then he told me about, you know, this, and they ended, you know, this during Desert Storm was going on. They entered, ended with the Star Spangled Banner and like, oh, that's mm-hmm. so cool. You know, and that's why Star Spangled Banner is the last song on there. It's because Desert Storm was going on at the time and and the country was very patriotic at the time and it, it was it, things were a lot different than they are today. Um, but it became, just, what I was looking forward to the most is just experiencing on CD what they got to experience live. And and again, hoping that that it it would return. Unfortunately, I had to wait you know several years before Kiss returned, you know, in, in proper concert to St. Louis. But but that's what I was looking forward to. Not not I mean I had a live and I had a live too, but those other ver- other live versions of these great Kiss songs, and then just just version again versions of these songs, some of the same songs like like Deuce and and Watching You performed by this lineup that I just loved. So there there was a lot I was looking forward to. You win the episode, you know, as the guy who didn't get to go to the tour and was wanting wanting to hear it as well. I mean, that I just can't relate to. I mean, because I didn't have bootlegs with me and Buckingham. I had maybe five bootlegs at the time anyway that I'd 
the only ones that I'd you know collected since my Binghamton days. I'd only moved back to Britain the year before, so I hadn't really added much to it at that point. So, I mean, I had no idea what the band sounded like. I mean, my only kind of anticipation about it was, it's like, it's too soon. You know, that was my reaction to it, that Eric Singer has just played on a single studio release. And, you know, I hadn't ever thought really about Eric Carr, you know, in the live coming, you know, in in the 80s because of being out of the country and not really having music um, to that level, or at least not that music. So it, it was just like, it's like, why are they doing this now after just one album? Because again, I admit I'd intersected going back to uh, Britain to, to Scotland in what was it? I think August '92 is when I went back, so I'd missed the uh, tour in the spring um, that that came out there. So it was a, it was a weird thing. It was like why? So it's almost an orphan to me. Ken, what about you as someone who was you know alive too? This is the next installation. Yeah, um, I was hoping. I mean, you said too too soon. I said I say too late uh, from my standpoint. It should have been a lot earlier uh, with Eric Carr, um, like in the mid '80s, something like that. And I I would have liked to have had the same kind of format that they did um, of those uh, you know earlier albums. Obviously, Alive Two is just everything. Uh, of three you know three albums worth of music and the live was three albums of course of music before um and uh, i was hoping for something like that again uh something where there's all newer songs that are on here that haven't been already put on a live album either on a live or a live too i wanted just <laughs> the newer stuff after after a live too um, so, unfortunately, they never did that. Um, I was hoping they would do that, you know, in the 80s. Uh, I think they could have done it. Yeah, it wouldn't have had Rock and Roll Night. It wouldn't have had this or that. But that's fine. We've heard, we've heard all that, you know. Um, but I guess they think that's a selling point um, of, of these live albums. So, yeah, I was kind of disappointed uh, that they never did it, never had Eric on uh, live. I know we had Adam, you know animalized live uncensored you know video but that's still not an uh, official album or anything like that um and still at that they were playing old you know a mixed smash of you know music um i just would have liked the same format that's the thing that i was hoping for but never happened and i thought wow the live three at this point is like to me it was i thought this is way late to do this way 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 late I think they corrected that fault, though, this past year with the Creatures, you know, live. That feels like the Eric Carr Alive 3. Um, yeah. As as it should have been. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if it was, if my criticism of so it's too soon for Eric Singer, I think for <clears throat> Eric Carr, as a new drummer, you know, keeping the format of now presenting the catalog with the new drummer with the double bass style makes it acceptable to duplicate some of the songs that were on the earlier lives because it's almost a reboot of a live with a new lineup um, versus the yeah. original era. So it doesn't have to stay, you know, only those songs that haven't been performed on it prior. 
Um, so, so that I'm, you know, that's why I love that alive, uh, you know, creatures show mm -hmm. because it it just really kind of scratches that itch of representing, you know, Eric Carr more. Uh, Mark, that question to you, you know, about what you were eagerly well, hoping for in it. Honestly, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what I was hoping for, but the one thing that I was certainly hoping that it wouldn't be, and I know that this was a, a, a thought in amongst my friends as well, is that we are all praying, sweet Jesus, don't let it be like a live two with that horrific audience, like a Beatles concert, like <laughs> screaming through the whole thing. Let it be that we can actually hear the freaking music on this. So that was the main thing. But there was a lot of debate about this in amongst my circle because it's interesting how you both were talking about this, how uh, Julian said that it was too early for it via Eric Singer and too late, according to Ken. We had a similar sort of debate about this where uh, one of the guys that lived at the house where we used to hang out all the time, uh, he he was always saying, was, I don't know why they're doing this record already when Singer's only been on one record, similar to how what Julian said. And, and he goes, and he had an interesting take on it. He goes, if they're smart, they'll make it like a double record like they've always did. And they'll have one record with Eric Carr stuff on it, and then the one record will be with with Eric Singer. This way, they can they won't they won't jip off the people who wanted to hear Eric Carr on it. This way, they can have a real alive with both drummers on there. And we we're like, that's never gonna happen, dude. Are you crazy? Why would they do that? You know? And there was a big argument about it. And you know, my friend Jerry, of course, was like, no, nah, I hope it's just Eric. I'm not interested. He did, he didn't mind Eric Carr, but he wasn't too hip on him either. But for me personally. Uh, I was just excited to hear it because number one, they had such a more modern sound at this point, such a much more modern take on the songs, even the classics. And we were all about that. I mean, you know, don't forget, I was in the generation of, you know, Mesa Boogie amps and, you know, JCM 900 Marshalls and these really high gain sounds and guitar things. We were into that. We, were, we, weren't, we weren't old enough to appreciate the whole, you know, old, Marshalls from the back in the day, like how ACC used those kind of sounds. We were kind of like, that sounds weak, dude. You know, we were we were more into like these heavy sounding Marshalls that James Hetfield would use, like the Mesa Boogie amps and stuff like that. So, because they were using more that kind of gear on this stuff, we were all for it. Like, listen to how heavy this sounds. Like, listen to when they do Creatures now; it sounds awesome, you know. And so, we knew we were gonna get that at least. What we were gonna get, we never knew. But uh, but we were disappointed when we started seeing. Uh, flyers in the magazines that they did say it was only a one CD release. We were kind of like, one CD. We we're like, we we, we kind of thought that was odd at first, you know. But we 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 kept our criticisms to ourselves until we saw what the, what it was. But our, my only thing was, I didn't want it to be an audience fest like Alive Two was. That's the only thing I didn't want to hear. Well, you've just given the perfect segue into the next question. And one of the things is that it was only one CD, 16 songs. Um, late 92, ACDC had released their live Donington show, which came in two versions, a single disc edition and a deluxe, which had two. Now, clearly, in 1993, Kiss was no ACDC. Let's be absolutely fundamentally clear about mm -hmm. the difference in both of those bands uh, at the time that Kiss wasn't getting anywhere in Donington in 1992, regardless of revenge mm -hmm. and the quality as we perceive it in the fan community. Um, the technical limitations of commercially produced CDs at the times were Red Book Standard, 74 minutes. 
so it pretty much uses all that space which is available yes you can burn up to 80 on a CDR that's a different proposition um, I thought that one disc was too short and when you think of the number of songs that were left out of it going back to my previous comments about it should have been representative of the whole show as a reboot of the Alive series. I mean, this is like the first three Star Wars movies, you know, versus the ones that George Lucas made later. Completely different character set in some ways. So what was your reaction, Lonnie, to 16 songs, single CD? Obviously there's cost involved, as you can tell by the quality of the packaging and the, the proofing. Um, should it have been a double CD or nothing? I think it should have been in hindsight. Not, not in hindsight, but even in real time, I was, as much as I talked about how I was excited for it, I, I was disappointed initially when I looked at it because, again, like I said earlier, that you know my brothers came home and they're like, oh, Lottie, during War Machine, this happened, and I Want You was so great, and... You know, and then they, 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 you know, they ended with the short rock city and they came back and they played, you know, shout out loud. They played rock and they played God gave and they played love gun. And I'm like, well, where, where, where are some of these songs at? Where's, where's, where are those songs? Where's, where's parasite? You know, like where's the rest? So it, it, it should have been. And I know, I know Julian, you said that. There, they were no ACDC in 1993, and I think that scared them. That I think they were worried. Maybe they were worried. I don't know. I think that they just kind of tamed it back. Like I don't know if people are going to. If we can get people to spend fifteen dollars on a Kiss CD, great. But I don't know if we can get people to spend twenty five dollars on a Kiss CD. And maybe that had a lot to do with it at the mm -hmm. time, because let's let's be honest, <clears throat> they weren't soaring in popularity at the time. As much as the Uber Kiss fans like us on the show and the people watching this would, are going to say, like, oh, no, it should have been, let's put things in perspective of 1993. Yeah, so let's see if my list is correct on songs that were left off it. Obviously, War Machine, Parasite, Christine 16, Hotter Than Hell, Firehouse, I Want You, Cold Gin, Tears Are Falling. I mean, an 80s song left off. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. obviously that means more to me and Mark than anyone. Tears are falling. Uh, shout it out loud. Strutter, Love Gun, and um, shout it well, shout it out loud. Well, and 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 one of the biggest things that my seventeen year old brothers came back talking about was take it off. How these girls came on stage and started taking their clothes off, and that's not on there until it's not officially on there until the the '06 release of of that Alive box set. It was for me in England. Well, good for you. Look at you. And the vinyl edition, right? <laughs> Boy. Right, Ken? It's on the vinyl. I think it's on the vinyl. Let me look. Well, yeah. I had a CD in 93. Sorry. Huh? Oh, yeah. Look it up. Take it off. There it is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's on the vinyl. Well, Ken, you know, as a KISS fan, an Alive, <laughs> you saw them on the Revenge Tour, right? Oh, of course. So you, you and, knew and that the sets you knew that the sets were like twenty five songs, one hour like and fifty five minutes yeah, and <laughs> and all that, and then you see that a live three is gonna be sixteen songs. Seventy. Yeah, I, I thought it should have, should have been a representation if they're gonna do it, you know, do the the full show. 
what they were playing on these on these you know concerts. I'm sure they maybe switched up some set list, <laughs> not often, but um, switched up what? Yeah, yeah I, I know, I know. Um, wow, that thing. It should have been. Those, those were the those were the old days, Mark, when artists could oh. play a lot of their catalog on the drop of a hat. Oh, okay. they yeah. weren't doing. Okay, but yeah, that, uh, I'm not going to go down that Or tapes. Oh. Yeah, it should have been a representation, really, of the the full thing. And you know what? Uh, the price really wouldn't have been that much more, uh, Lonnie, because it costs. Probably twenty five cents to produce another CD and add that yeah, to the, they would the product. They would have charged you ten more. I know. Now. I know the CDs were are were dirt cheap to produce those things. Um, yeah, but they don't. But the public don't know the that. Markup the markup was record, crazy. The people won't don't don't want you to know that either. Of well, of course they don't. But uh, I mean, I knew it even back then. I knew it, um, but. It should have been a full representation. So, yeah, if you went to one of those shows uh, and thought, well, shoot, why didn't they play this or that song? Like, like Lonnie said, more, you know, War Machine, for instance. You know, what the heck? Big part of the show. Yeah, I think it truly, I, I kind of remember it bothering me that there was there was things missing on, on there that should have been uh, should have been added or should have been you know included as part of the whole show. Just, just them piecemealing it and whatever. I, I don't even know why they chose the specific songs that they did um, and why they left out some other ones. Uh, I was kind of, I never heard why. But uh, yeah, I, I would have liked the whole thing played in full. Two, two discs would have been very nice. Make it yeah. nice 30th anniversary edition. Yeah. Uh, what, well, wait for that to come out next week. We'll see if 18th uh, holds anything. Come on. Uh, Ken, the ever optimist. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Optimistic Ken. Optimistic Ken. Buy, the thing is, buy your freaking cornhole and ping pong paddles and be happy. <laughs> and be happy with it, damn it. Look, the, the, the fact of the matter is there, 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 was not, there wasn't going to be no double disc. Okay? They, the, I'm sure, look, when Gene Simmons said in his book, that he had to literally go up and handshake the president or label and kiss rear end a little bit here and there and make them aware that kiss actually existed on their record label. You know, they ain't going to be giving you no two disc versions of anything to kiss at that point. They hardly sold decently on their albums. You know, there's, there's tour had to be cut short. I'm sure their record label was hearing every day that they needed tour support money to keep it floating as long as it actually did. So, Two CDs ain't gonna happen. Now another thing that I found that was interesting is there's a couple of bootlegs that floated around from the Revenge era, and I remember one distinctly where Paul Stanley says, "All right, we're gonna do this song tonight, and if we do it good, hopefully it's gonna turn up on our live album." That was Tears Are Falling, and he said it right on the bootleg. Mm. He goes, "We're gonna perform it, and if it's good enough, then it's gonna appear." So that could answer one of your questions: why that didn't appear on it? Wasn't because good maybe they maybe they felt it wasn't good, but the performance that was on that. I thought it was good. I didn't hear anything majorly effed up on it, you know. So, but you never know what these guys, you know, Paul, who's like, no, my voice is not that good there. Ooh, yeah, you know, but so maybe it, you know. yeah, it's not just Paul, you know, because you'll read about the people who are listening to this, uh, you know, to review it before it ever gets, you know, finalized. And they're saying, that sounds too live. 
I mean, I've, I've actually read those comments. That sounds too live. That sounds and, too live. And the interesting thing, though, too, is uh, one guy that I actually know, I'm not going to say I'm like best friends, he's on my speed dial, but one guy that I know, okay, uh, Garth, Garth Richardson. He's the guy who was on here engineering this with Eddie Kramer. Okay. Uh, I distinctly him say, remember him saying that when they were working on this, there was a lot of Paul Stanley floating over people's shoulders during the mix of this to the point of where Eddie Kramer wasn't too happy about it. You know, <laughs> that he, Paul was hovering around a lot during the mix of this album. And Gar said he, he remembered it vividly that that happened. Right. So that was Make, another thing. making people, sure it didn't sound like a live too. Yeah. Well, but, but the, he was also saying that <laughs> the, the, the problem was that Eddie wanted to give it apparently a kind of a classic tinge to it and garth is more of the new school you know he did rage against the machine and all that stuff so he wanted to give it a little bit more up-to-date sound and paul was kind of butting heads with both ways and you know eddie eddie just said you know whatever apparently he threw his hands up and he said listen whatever we'll do it paul's way and that's it so personally when the when the cd came out i i wasn't overly disappointed i mean there's you know what i was hoping wouldn't happen was what they did in the other records where they didn't repeat anything from the other albums. You know what I mean? Like they did on the other ones, they didn't repeat anything that was from a live on on a live too. Right. But this time, you know, we got stuff like deuce. We got stuff like watching you, you know, we had stuff on there that was on the prior ones as well. So I was happy to hear that, you know, uh, I was, I was surprised that we heard songs like I was made for loving you because back when you first hear it, you think you're, you know, it, will that fit? But they did a great version of it on this tour, I thought. You know, they really beefed it up and it sounds like it totally fits with it, right? So, um, but, you know, 16 songs is not, it's not a short, you know, record by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, a double double disc live album, that's a, that's a long sit-through too. You know, I mean, the other night I was listening to, I got the, the Moving Pictures uh, 30th anniversary box and I listened to the live concert from Maple Leaf Gardens that's a long listen that's a full concert that's like two hours plus to listen to for, for me that's nothing I love listening to Rush but you know that's that's a long listen you know and to put that on two discs like I said before a lot of it had to do with politics back at that point you know that they they weren't in no position to demand anything for the, to make a double disc they were hardly selling enough to I, I don't even think they recouped costs on their last couple of records at that point so they can't really, you know, demand anything. Okay, Lonnie, does it live up to the title Alive? In 2023, I don't think it lives up to the title Alive. And I mean, today. Um, because I, I hold Alive in such high standards. And Alive 2 to a certain extent. I don't love Alive 2 as much as Alive 1. Mainly because of what Mark mentioned about the, the pumped-in Beatles fans is what it sounds like. <laughs> um, and to me, to me, Kiss Alive 1 just captures so much what the band would sounded like live. And as much as I like this, and I do like this, there are bootlegs from the Revenge Tour 
that the band sounds so good. Hell yeah. And it's not as much as I like this. And I mm-hmm. and we start I started the show by singing its praises. It is not a proper representation of what this lineup sounded like. And I think it's a shame that we haven't gotten an off the soundboard from this lineup so that we could really showcase how great this lineup was. And maybe that's the reason we haven't gotten it because this lineup was so good that people might be like, why, why isn't this the band now? Because why wasn't this the band come 2002? Because it sounded so good. Why didn't we just go back to this? I I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine Bruce Kulik wearing Ace Fraley's makeup. But he let's can't not play my that. licks. Ah. Let's, not, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But I think... It, 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 I, don't, I don't think it's deserving of the Alive... I don't, I don't think it's deserving of the Alive title to answer your question, Julian. Because I don't think that it's a proper representation of how good that lineup was. But... It's the best they could do at the time. You know what? I think I you, you, you just said something key. And that's, uh, uh, you know, hopefully this lineup will get an off the soundboard release because to me, that would. I, I talked about the Creatures release correcting the lack of a live album with Eric Carr. I think an off the soundboard, if it is not fucked around with, say, songs removed, guitar solos removed, or. Just push it out there. Yeah, if it's the whole a two CD revenge era or revenge lineup, because it doesn't have to be from the revenge tour no. when ninety five and ninety four are equally and if not more Give powerful and dynamic, um, especially with the sets, that would correct my, all of my criticisms about a live three in one fell swoop. Um, as long as it doesn't sound like a live three does as well, because those sonics are not the most pleasing when you compare it to the best soundboards from the Revenge tour itself. Mark? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about this is having been involved with live albums when I was co-oping and stuff like that, and knowing some of the ins and outs of how it's done, it, it's live albums are a tricky thing. I mean, Lonnie brought up an interesting point that some of the bootlegs that are floating around from this tour are fantastic. And I have a few as well in my collection where you just put it in and it's like, wow, this is great. I mean, I would be more than happy to have this entire show the way it is, you know, released and saying this is the live album. I would, I would have loved it. Um, musicians are very funny creatures because when you listen, when we listen to it and we hear those little things like, you know, when Paul's talking or something and, he bumps in his elbow into a stand when he's talking in between songs. You know, next song I'm going to do and hit something. To us, that we don't give a shit about that, right? But when he hears stuff like our engineers are like, oh, 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 oh rewind. Bzzz. What was that that I just heard? You know, we got to get that out of there. There's always that sort of element of what you're taught in engineering school to watch out for and to get rid of because it's not going to look at as professional in people's eyes. People's eyes. All right, so they take that shit out. Like, look at when you hear some of them when they're playing. Sometimes you hear like a finger squawk, like a on the string when they're doing a solo, or they come out I and they, they they yeah. botch. Yeah, those things. I love. That's what makes the albums live. You that's know? Fin- that's a fingerprint. It's organic. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that we're taught to eliminate. That nobody wants to hear that. Apparently, that's what you're taught when you go to audio school. Nobody wants to hear that. That that's a mistake. 
they didn't mean to do that. It's like, and I hate that thinking. I, I was never a big fan of that thinking. I always said that, you know, to me, it just makes me believe that it's live when that's in there. Yeah. You know? and then or, you're able to take those, like, uh, what I love about them, sorry to interrupt you, is yeah. a, a finger scratch or a pick, uh, you know, grabbing on a string. Then you can marry it up to a, a recording to figure out which show the shit came from, you know, when yeah, they're yeah, all there mixed you go. around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and the same thing, too. Like, when you hear a drummer bashing away and all of a sudden his stick dropped, he, he, he misses a couple of beats of the hi-hat and all of a sudden it comes back in. Who cares? Nobody really cares. A general public will never really say, oh, God, I didn't hear a hi-hat for a bar and a half there. You know, the, these things, that's the problem with the whole audio engineering part for a long while was they wanted to make it too perfect, too, you know, too good. For its own good. I mean, what I loved about All the World's a Stage, it sounded when you put the headphones on. This is a rush album, by the way. Uh, sounds like you're in Massey Hall. Now, you, you put on you, you, you put on Exit Stage Left. They killed all the audience out of it. And it just sounds like they might as well have just recorded in a rehearsal hall and just added audience to it after. That's the other thing, too. You know, you... I, 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 all the elements that make an album great need to be there for it to be great, in my opinion. The mistakes, little glitches, if somebody misses a lyric or something, or something goes a, a little awry in the singing, who cares? This is this is what people want to hear. They want to hear the performance. This is what they want to remember. When when they say, you know, live from Cleveland, that was the other problem I remember reading a lot. People were saying that. It goes, I was at Cleveland. I don't remember Paul saying that, you know, or I don't remember this happening at this show. You know, so people will clearly get annoyed with the fact that they cut something, paste something in, or they go in and get, you know, Bruce to come in and fix up a solo, Paul come in to fix up a vocal, you know, people don't want to hear that shit. This is why I think, you know, people are starting to like the idea of the off the soundboards. So that, that's, that's just my opinion on that. Ken. Yeah, the, this recording or production of it, uh, I never liked it. Um, I don't know. It's too much upfront, in-your-face kind of production. Um, I want to hear more separation, you know, of the instruments oh. and that sort of thing. Um, and it could. This shouldn't have been. They should have kept it away from the alive name. They shouldn't have made it, called it alive three. Uh, in my opinion, they should have stopped at live and live two since they waited so long. Just stop there. Because that band was a totally different animal than the this new band in the 90s. And uh, it should have been called, you know, Revenge Live or Kiss Revenge Live or something like that. Um, Revenge Tour Live. Just something like that. Instead of trying to tie it to uh, the first Alive 1 and Alive 2 and Alive 3. I, I, I just didn't... I just didn't think it. Sh they should have done that. So, whatever. It was the decision um so you know it's like i said it's a different animal i don't like the production i don't listen to it that often because of the production um that's the problem and I, I agree that it should have been something like a soundboard would have sounded better than uh what we got yeah there must so. be reasons behind it because they they supplemented this with you know the kiss confidential release which infuriated me that it has part of a live show and then videos from bits and pieces 
I just found that so incredibly obnoxious, but I was so thrilled to see yeah. them. Don't get me wrong. You know, it was like more of that kind of stuff that, you know, we'd been introduced to with Kiss Exposed. And then on Kissology, they give us Palace mm. of Auburn Hills, but just 17 songs again. It's like, what the fuck? You know, here's another opportunity to correct it. And what is done? You know, and, and again, I'm very happy that we have Kissology and everything that's contained with those, within those. I'm happy that, you know, I was really happy that we had Kiss Confidential, you know, when I eventually got that as well. Because mm -hmm. um, I didn't have, so a TV, didn't have a TV or VCR at university. Um, had a bar. All needed. <laughs> but Lonnie, you know, those those videos, did they do anything to improve your kind of opinion of the whole Alive 3 thing? I mean, it was a commercial tie in Confidential, and it did very well. The videos, as far, you mean as far, as far as Confidential goes? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Confidential came out. That, that mean, that, now I'm able to see what my brother saw with confidential um and i was able to experience it on another level i love confidential I, and, I, and i know it we go back and forth and this and that with here's some songs and now we're going to talk to the band and here's some songs we're going to talk to the band and we never really learned our lesson from that did we because on rock the nations um we, we we're still doing the same thing which is kind of kind of funny in its own right that we never learned our our lesson from that but I loved Confidential, and I still do. I, I think it's a great, um, I, I think it's a great little documentary about what the band was at the time, you know. And, and they show like you know the band members joking around with each other when they're not on stage, when they're not on stage, just on the tour bus and things like that. So I and take it off. Yeah, and take it off is on there too. It, it 14, 14 year old you is like woohoo! 14 year old me won the lottery finally with, with take it off being on, on kiss confidential so um you know i i i, I love it i think i think it's i think it's great actually it's it, i pour the the shit out of, of that, VC, that vhs mark yeah i mean i i enjoyed it too i mean when it came out uh, it actually caught me by surprise when it came out. I wasn't—I didn't really know that it, it was coming out at the time. When I went to my local HMV and I saw it there, I was like, "Ooh, what's this?" And when I realized what it was, I was like, immediately grabbed it, slapped it into VCR, and started watching it. And it was—it was great. I—I I, I thought it was—it it was something that even made me—it made me like just really. Oh, look at that! What made the hell me is like, that? Yeah. Open Coliseum. <clears throat> yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's an open Coliseum show, revenge show. I have it on DVD. Bootleg, shame on you. Bootleg. Oh, illegal. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was good to good to see and to get a good video version of it. I mean, because you know, you, you're listening to the CDs for so long, and then you know, you, if you weren't there at the concert, then you don't don't really you can't really put image to the music in your mind. But when you have this now, you can obviously you know sync everything up and you know, experience it for what it was like. So I, I thought it was a great idea. I, I always thought that Kiss, that's one thing that Kiss did good. And it, it kind of shows in, when you look at the sales of the stuff, their their DVDs and their videotapes always seem to do pretty good. 
you know, platinum selling this yeah, and that. You only needed to sell 50,000 for gold in, in the U.S. Yeah. And like 5,000 okay. in Canada. Yeah. I mean, still, I mean, it, it did, they, they, it, it seemed to do pretty good, you know, on that end of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking shots at the CRIA. <laughs> No, but the, the videos were good, and it was such an exciting time in terms... We'd had Exposed, Animalized Live Uncensored, the Crazy Nights video, and for those of us who are into other bands, we were, you know, Aerosmith was doing live Texas Jam video scrapbook. They were all mm. kind of similar uh, product. Motley Crue's Uncensored, you know, yeah. that was a really cool VHS as well that came out around... Well, I can't remember when it did. But, you know, all these sorts of things tied in, so... It's not like Kiss were the only ones putting a limited, um, you know, a, amount of material onto that VHS, you know, and, and it does tie in with the product. So it was very smart from that perspective. Uh, Ken, I think I was when you got up and walked off. It was your turn to comment. Yeah. On what? <laughs> what? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Kiss confidential. Con confidential and how it ties oh, in. Oh, confidential. Yeah. He's more um, just in his bootleg. I, I did not like the breaking up all the the concerts. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was seeing what what was on here. Um, you know, it was twenty two songs. Uh, I guess at the show. So yeah, I could have looked at Julian's book. I guess <laughs> or whatever. But it's too um, damn heavy to get out of off the shelf. I haven't played that. I'll have to check it out again. Um, I mean, it's it's a concert. You know, video from the crowd somewhere, uh, off to the side, up in a seat like level. Um, ah, one of those. Something. One of those, but uh, eh, it's not too bad. It sounds okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Kiss Confidential, I thought was okay. It was kind of cool at the time. I just would have rather had a a straight, you know, live song after song, you know, video. Mm. Um, and I didn't even like the 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 way they filmed it um, or the graininess of, you know, their production. I, I didn't like it. I thought, gosh, that's, it doesn't look good. You know, just to me, they didn't have to do that. Very uh, edgy. So, they wanted to look. Yeah. Tough and cool. They didn't have to do that. Um, to me, I, I just thought, gosh, you know, just leave it as it is. Um, you know, record them as they are on, on the stage don't do any of these filters and whatever they're doing it to the video so yeah that was just overproduced just like the the actual you know the cd overproduced in my opinion yeah. so am i not if i'm not mistaken didn't also extreme close-up come around out around this time too like the revenge era around there didn't extreme it's revenge come era but it, it's more it's more around the time revenge came out than than life yeah, yeah. okay but there's a lot of video stuff I remember coming out you know, then. A couple years earlier. You're getting product left and right, really. And like now now we're like so excited if like once every few years you'd get a, a new KISS product. Yeah. You know? Like when's the last time they released a video? I yeah, Extreme, Extreme Close Up right. came out the previous year. And that right, was again sure. like a, a follow up to you know, exposed. It was a right. more honest one, which is why those individual video clips in, you know, confidential the following year pissed me off. You know, but then again, it, it's like 
it's cross promotion in a way. Oh, mm. you know, that, that stuff's, you know, there's more of that on extreme. So it kind of makes sense from that perspective. I'm just looking through some of the uh, old bootlegs from the revenge tour. I mean, Montreal uh, is the one that jumps out of me is one I listened to a lot back in the day when I was collecting. Um, you know, for, for all of these things, again, it's really weird to think that it was 30 years ago and Lonnie's initial perspective as a 14-year-old and having missed the show as I finally get to hear what it was like for with his own ears, I think really resonates. Or mine of not even knowing that what was really going on in the Kiss world and here's a live album that suddenly appears for me at a time when I need some entertainment. You know, so, you know, it's happy memories like that. Those are very positives, I think. And as a way of looking back at the 30th anniversary of of the album um it's not the kind of the the longest well what are the the running times alive has a 78 minute running time alive two down to 54 minutes when you lop off the studio side you know, Alive 3 is 72 minutes. And just to throw in to their con uh, contrast-wise, ACDC single volume live is 71 minutes, and the mm -hmm. double is 2 hours and 12 minutes. But, you know, of these songs that are left over, if you were able to say, well, we're going to reissue it on a single CD, but we're going to use up as much of those 90, or pardon me, 80 minutes, so you can pick two songs of those that were not used. So Parasite, Christine, 16, Hotter Than Hell, Firehouse, I Want You, Cold Gin, Tears, Shout It Out Loud, Strutter, or Love Gun, or War Machine. Which two of those songs would you add on as bonus tracks where they just do a single disc, cheap ass, um, 30th anniversary edition? Mark. E easy. I would put on Tears Are Falling. And Beth. I thought that they... Yeah, of course. That would definitely be on there for me. Uh, <laughs> Tears Are Falling, I would definitely put on there. But I, I thought also that their performance of War Machine at that time was really good. So I, I think I would put that on. We yeah, weren't sick of it already by that time. It, it's tough to pick, you know, really good performances. And you're talking about this lineup. You have got to be shitting me trying to pick mm -hmm. one. Lonnie, which two of those would you super get excited and happy for? For me, it's it's an easy pick. It's the two songs that my brothers came home talking about, and that's "I Want You" and "War Machine." It's an easy pick. They said all this cool shit happened during "War Machine," but the Statue of Liberty. But "I Want You" was the was the best song they played all night. It was so good. It's easy. Ken, do you have to think about it? And yeah, gonna say, he's he's going to say "War Machine." <laughs> I am. That's one of the songs. Yeah, what what I would have done <laughs> is I would have removed "I Was Made for Loving You" wow. from it and added three others, meaning I would have added "War Machine." Yes, one, one that's for sure. Uh, I would have added "Parasite" and "Tears Are Falling." Those mm. three. I would have eliminated "I Was Made for Loving You." Why "Parasite," Ken? It's it's classic. That fucking awesome. performance by that lineup? It's just awesome. Just ask it. It's just great. Yeah. And Gene sings it. Oh. oh of course. That's the thing. <laughs> See, that puts me in a, a difficult spot now because I, I was Parasite and War Machine. But it almost feels wrong to leave Tears Are Falling Out. You know, I think that was kind of... Yeah, I like yeah, that. I, I'm going to have to go with Tears Are Falling 
and War Machine would be the two that yeah. I'd put on. And, and it really kills me because there are so many good songs. Hotter Than Hell. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did Strutter, a good version of that. Really good. Parasite, spectacular. I mean, Parasite, I mean, just beyond superlatives in, in many ways. You know, so it. I spun the disc yesterday and today. And I because, like I said, I'm working on the 1999 Heart of Aerosmith. I was listening to a little uh, South of Sanity. I got to say, Live 3 blows that out of the water as product of a live album representation, almost a contractual obligation um, release, um, which is really weird. Whereas the unreleased version of um, a Little South of Sanity, when it was still called Greatest Hits Live, blows Alive 3 out of the water. So it's just weird perceptions of the same product uh, from that perspective. I want to finish up on one piece of news. And if he's watching, I've deliberately left it to the end. So, help yours, Andrew. (laughs) Wow! Yeah, if if you're not aware, um, Andrew has put out a high-definition version of The Greatest Show on Earth. And he's put a hell of a lot of work into correcting video with new HD sources and redoing the film from that perspective. So if you've seen The Greatest Show on Earth and have enjoyed it previously, wait until you see it in HD. It, I just said the word superlatives and being beyond them. This really is an absolutely incredible piece of fan work uh, to put that amount of time and effort into making something look and sound as great as it does. So you can find the link for it. Right now it's uh, on the FAQ, but it'll be, no doubt, Andrew won't promote it at all, and it'll be posted everywhere, because it certainly should be. Even if you've seen it before, the original version, you know, it's the fifth anniversary of that release, which is really weird as well to think that fans are celebrating the anniversaries of stuff that they've done. You know, we're all getting long in the tooth, clearly, so I do recommend checking it out. Any last thoughts, guys, before we we go? Yeah, this is much better than a live four. Which live four? We can talk about uh, we can talk about a live four in July for the the twentieth anniversary of a live four. Which yes. which well or so not. a live a live four symphony? <laughs> A Life Force Symphony, I mean, it was recorded in February, but it came out in July. So we can talk about that in July. we got that to look forward to. I don't want to talk about that shit sandwich. <laughs> well, we'll what about the Millennium that. Concert? We'll we'll talk about, that, don't want to really? talk about that shit sandwich either. Well, yeah. I was saying it was better than that, right? No, I, I mean, if you, if you, no. if Ken said that they shouldn't have called Alive Three Alive because Alive should be reserved only to the original lineup, um, then I totally agree that the name should never have been used for Symphony in conjunction with Alive Four Kiss Symphony. That just was dumb. At least they stopped. At least they stopped, and they called they? the Vegas. I, we don't know that. But they called the Vegas thing Kiss Kiss Rocks Vegas. They didn't call that a live five. Well, the Millennium Show, they called it a live, right? Right, but they stopped after that. And that was with the original people, too. That was terrible. Well, that was going to be a live four. This is a discussion for July, and we talk about a live four. Yeah, because, I mean, all Europeans want them to have a live five. That's a V, if my fingers could bend that, rather than that's two, that's five. Um, 
and that's fuck you. <laughs> you know? Wow. Well, wow. Oh. <laughs> In other versions of international sign language. Yeah, no, a, a live... I'm glad they're doing off the soundboard and not playing alive into the naming as well. So that's our questions for yeah. you. You know, go, take yourself back 30 years now to your anticipation as a 30-year younger KISS fan of Alive 3 coming out. What were your expectations? What were your hopes? What was a hit for you? Because obviously it's a powerful lineup. What was a miss for you? Songless, everything's like a menu, so everyone's got opinions. What would you have done for an Alive 3? And, you know, what do you think we got wrong in our opinions? Tell us that Jesus. our opinions are wrong. Please. I was 19 when that came out. Can you believe it? How old was I? I know. 19, it 20. makes me feel old. Yeah. Something like that. Wow. Wait, no, I was 21. Shit. I'm getting old. All right. There we go. That's it. Thanks for joining us. So for Mark, Lonnie, Ken, and myself, we'll see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.